are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. Elsie, did you study your answers? I wrote some stuff down. Did you see me looking? No, I just know that you would. No, I better follow the questions. Were there questions? She texted me this morning and just like blurted some out. So I just like quick jotted down some thoughts. You have them, Jacob. You're in the thread. Let me see. I don't know if that's true. She basically said that at the intro. Like, what have we learned? Yeah, I don't know if you put the questions for theirs, Christy. Uh, We will help you when we get started if you have questions. You know what? I've been texting probably 80 people today. (laughs) Yeah, you did on the other thread. I was going to say, of all the numbers to come at with that comment, Christy, the one, <laughs> you think I noticed whether or not there were questions in our thread? I'm doing uh, my best. I'm sending them to you right now. Or I'll just ask them in about five minutes. There is no better time than now for you to discover your purpose, learn about yourself more, and dig into God's truth as we tackle the Enneagram as a church. Welcome to our new series. I want each of you to just to give a quick intro of who you are, what your number is, and you know, what that looks like in your life. I'll start. I'm the eight. <laughs> How fitting. I'm Isaac Mullen, 33 years old. I'm married. I have two sons, five years old and two. Professionally, I'm a firefighter for the city of Rochester. Yeah, my Enneagram type is number eight. I think the most common name I've heard for it is the Challenger. The Protector, too, is good. Okay, I like that, yeah. I mean, I think they're both pretty fitting. I think the Challenger is pretty, like, surface level, and it might take you a little bit to see the Protector, maybe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, uh, situationally dependent. Sure. Yes, I could see that. Do you want to elaborate at all or no? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, if I walk in a room, somebody might just right off the cuff, like first impression, be like, oh, Isaac's kind of challenging in the sense of confident, seeing who's the, what's the power structure in the room, you know, what's the pecking order versus like the protector. Like if somebody has earned my trust or somebody that I'm responsible for, is dealt with unfairly, I come unglued pretty quick. Like I can get hot real fast when that kind of thing happens. My name is Chelsea Jepson, and I will say right off the bat, I am very new at this. So I took the test probably a year ago, and that's where Tom, you probably still remember, I actually tested different than what I actually am. So I've taken the test multiple times and I've always tested at a three, and I have come to find out I am not a three. So I would say I am a nine, which is the peacemaker. And I feel like with doing some research and reading more about it, that's the number that I have found that I resonate with the most with my personality and when I'm in certain situations and how I interact with people or alone time if I'm not interacting with people. So I would say I am a nine. I'm Jacob. I am a one as far as uh, as far as I'm aware. And so from what I've heard from most people, that makes me a perfectionist is often the the phrase that's used. Um, I'm sure there's other phrases. Some are probably more positive, more negative. 
but I actually learned about the Enneagram through Echo Church, and so I've only been around this type of terminology for about a year as well. And so my wife and I listened to a long sermon series on what the Enneagram was. She has a book that's helping her better understand her number as well. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I know about it. The first time I took a test, I was with a bunch of people from Echo who knew the Enneagram well, and the test said that I was a two, and everybody in the room said, you're not a two. And so <laughs> it was at that moment that I renounced the Enneagram, denounced, renounced. I said, no Enneagram for me. But then we took a road trip to Texas driving, me and my wife, and we listened to a sermon series that had about a one-hour sermon on every single number. And so through that, we learned a lot about each other, about ourselves, about our friends and family. And so uh, I think it is a really neat tool, and uh, that's, that's the first time I learned about it and really embraced the Enneagram. Have you fully embraced the one, or are you still kind of like, from what I understand, I'm a one... Where are you in that? Are you fully on board with one or are you still kind of? Yeah, yeah, I believe I believe I, I believe I am a one. And I think it's uh, I think it's pretty concrete. You know, I think, unfortunately, the thing that helped me realize I was a one more than any other number was the negative aspects of being a one and how I saw those very evident in my personality in my life. And so being able to recognize those has helped me improve, I believe, as a person. And so, but I think that that did point me in the direction that I was definitely a one. Chelsea, before today, I thought you were a three. Yeah. From what I told you or just from knowing me? Uh, just from knowing you. I, th I think Christy had told me before too, because she was, she's a three and she was talking about how yeah. like she and you were different and that, you know, you're both a three, but you, it plays out in different ways. But now you're a nine. <laughs> Take us on that I'm a different. I'm a different woman. Yes. Well, and that's where, like, so Christy is the, is the reason I had heard about it because I kept hearing her and Andy talking about it nonstop. And they had sent me the link for one of the popular websites to take the test. And I had literally taken it probably 10 times and I kept testing at a three. But then when I was reading, like, the description about stuff, I just felt like I was like, hmm, like there were certain aspects of it where I feel like, and maybe that's part of it too, is they describe, you know, like when you're at your best, you may wing to other numbers. So I do feel like when things are going really good for me, I can wing, I know you only wing to the numbers around, but I feel like I can have like attributes of a three, but I feel like just researching it. And I have, I have loved Instagram. There's a ton of Instagram accounts. So one of my favorite ones, she breaks down all of the numbers and just like reading through all of those and figuring out which one, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's a hundred percent me, or that's me in a situation with friendships or family members. So that's where I feel like I'm a concrete nine and not a three, but it's taken me probably a year to figure that out. And I also love the book, The Road Back to You, which I'm sure you guys have probably all heard of too. So that book also helped to break it down for me more too. And Isaac. I, I mean, I kind of know you and like, you know, finding your number. I feel like you've always known you were an eight. Like it was just kind of, it was just obvious. Like, do you agree? Like how, how did it go finding your number? I agree. I think people who knew me well were into the Enneagram and they were like, yeah, there's just no shadow of a doubt. Isaac's an eight. And I've been around a lot of different personality types and, you know, like strength finders 
One of my college classmates called me an emotional bulldozer once. She was a psych major too, so that was really telling. And um, and then uh, just having my spouse too, kind of, you know, knows me well, kind of looks at like that personality type, and is just like ding, 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 hits all these check boxes. So my journey to kind of figure out that I was an Enneagram type eight wasn't very long at all. And uh, how eight of me <laughs> to be to be confident, just go for my gut. Yep, I'm an eight. Sorry. Yeah. Not sorry. <laughs> right. And I'm like the wishy-washy one where I'm like, am I a nine? But like you said too, Tom, I can literally see myself in all of the numbers. And plus I struggle with examining myself where I want like others input. Like, what do you think I am? And that's where it was hard because I kept hearing everybody else saying that I wasn't a three. So that also made me second guess it too. For me, I've had all of my close friends and my husband take it, take the test and research it. Curtis, my husband still has to research it more because he actually tested at a number where I think that he's not that number. (laughs) So he still needs to dive a little bit more deep. But I found it fascinating to find out what everybody was who was kind of in my close knit group to figure out like the reason behind why they do what they do, like the why, what makes us us, if that makes sense. So like why people respond a certain way, like in certain situations, basically like what makes each of us tick and figuring out the reason behind it. There's three girls in my family. So Christy's the oldest, I'm the middle, and then we have a younger sister. And even in my family dynamic, I am a hundred percent like the middle child or the peacemaker with our whole family, like between my parents and my sisters. And then even in friendships too, I feel like, like one of my really good girlfriends is an eight and we work together and she'll send like an email up, but before she does it, she'll like turn around and ask me like, Hey, can you read this before I send it to make sure it's not too harsh? Cause she's like a direct and gets to the point where I'm like, Ooh, you might hurt people's feelings. If you word it like that, you might want to tweak your wording a little bit. So I feel like for sure it resonated with me reading all of, and I hate conflict. Like it makes me pit sweat, like the smallest amount of conflict. I want to crawl into a hole. The more that I learned about all of the numbers, it really helped me understand why people do what they do. It kind of created an internal conflict for me, though, as a one, because it didn't change what I thought was right and wrong. It just helped me understand why they're doing it. So I still didn't necessarily agree with what they were doing, but I understand their approach a little bit more. So that's why I think a lot of times people will say like, oh, you shouldn't try to figure out what someone else's number is per se. You should more focus on your own number. I think that that's great advice for the Enneagram. I think knowing other people's number helps you understand them more, but you're never going to be able to change how they're behaving based on their number. And so just trying to work on yourself and how you respond to other people's numbers is, is more important in my opinion. I think one of the big takeaways for me with the Enneagram is identifying cyclical behaviors that happen within my marriage that, you know, just the little conflicts that seem to keep reoccurring and you just get into like the same old dance. I feel like it's helped Bree and I to better understand some of that and even even like end some of it end some of the little cycles and some of the little dances that we, we play in marriage where we'll do something, we're frustrated, we don't process it well, and then it just happens all over again. Bree and I, I think have really appreciated that and something too that we've 
pulled other couples like, hey, this has helped us and why? And maybe it could be a tool that could help you in your marriage too. Just to understand your spouse a little bit better, understand yourself a little bit better, and then how your two personalities end up combining and creating some of the frustrations you experience, creating some of the really great things that you experience, um, and yeah, getting out of some of that cyclical, frustrating behaviors. I just think the adjectives that you picked to like help further define and clarify those things were really accurate too. For how each number type really needs God to complete that wholeness in them. And I also think about how all nine types work together to be the body of Christ, which is also the wholeness of how God designs people in Him. We'd love to have you join us after our online services for our virtual lobbies, a place where we can connect, discuss, and share what the Lord is speaking to us as individuals, but also as a community. So here we have the eight, nine, and one, you know, triad, which is the gut triad or the body triad. So from what I understand, you know, our numbers are, you know, we operate a lot of like what we feel in our gut. So like Jacob as a one, like you just have a gut instinct of like what's right and wrong. You know, Isaac, you might, you know, as an eight, you can just feel it in your, in your body, you know, like, you know, injustice or like just that, like trying to think of how best to word it, but like, yeah, sure. I think a perfect example is ready, fire, aim. (laughs) Yeah. You like when an eight makes decisions, it's like, nope, I just going with my gut. I know this one. We're doing it. So do it. Yeah. I think that is an epitome of an eight's decision making. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah. How, how do you guys, how do you feel like in your life? Do you resonate with that being in that gut triad? And like Chelsea, I know like as a nine, like I'm a nine two. And lots mm-hmm. of times it's like, I'm not, I'm kind of asleep to like my, you know, what my, my instincts or what I want. And so it's becoming a nine is like trying to recognize more of like what that is. Totally. Being in tune with it. Right. Right. So how does that look in your guys's? Chelsea, what does it look like for you to order something at a restaurant that you haven't been to before? Takes me a million years. <laughs> I am very indecisive. And honestly, if I know ahead of time that I'm going to a restaurant, I actually will try to look at the menu ahead of time so I can have an idea in mind before I get there what I'm going to order. You know how long it takes me? How long? Two seconds? It's like five seconds. That looks good. I'm going to order it. Let's do it. Eat it. <laughs> what if you're missing something that you're going to really exactly. like? Exactly. And I don't want to be the person that wishes I ordered what somebody else had at the table. <laughs> I'm the one where, like, I can't decide. And so the waiter, you know, I ask the waiter, like, okay, what what do you recommend? Like, I'm trying to – but then the worst is, like, they say something that, like, doesn't sound good at all. And then it's a, a conflict of, like, oh, gosh, do I go with it so I don't hurt his feelings? Or do I have to say, like, something other than what he said? That's pretty accurate, I think. There are just things that – I just feel are right or wrong. And the unfortunate thing is that can be both very positive and very negative in terms of being a one. And so I think early on in life or even early in adulthood, that probably led to a lot of frustration, a lot of potential judgment, a lot of anger with 
other people, with the world, even with myself, as decisions were made, if after the fact I thought it was right or wrong and I had done it the other way. So I think I think it is something where understanding like just how many times those types of decisions are going to come up in life can really kind of ease the burden of being a one because, yeah, it's something that I think can really be an unhealthy thing, having that gut feeling as a one of right versus wrong, when the world isn't as black and white as most ones would probably think it is. How has knowing the Enneagram or your number changed the way that you look at yourself? I feel like kind of with what you were saying, Tom, with since you're a nine too, is I do feel like a lot of times I am worrying about everybody else and making sure everybody that there's harmony and everybody's happy where I can kind of like fall asleep. Like you said, paying attention to my own needs and wants. So I feel like it's really opened my eyes to be more in tune with those parts of my personality. I think I remember uh, a wise man talking about type eights on the Enneagram and he, he said his daughter's is one and, and his daughter is an eight. And he talked about how he'd always remind her to choose mercy and compassion to be tender because the reverse is just natural for her. And, and so that's something I think I've learned through it of, yeah, Isaac, you can come off um, intimidating or hostile sometimes or overbearing. And uh, so be tender. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's not weakness. It's actually courageous to be vulnerable and to, yeah, just be compassionate and feel for others. I think before I knew what the Enneagram was, I was already kind of working on a lot of it. I mean, it's just because it is about your personality. So I think back to as I was maturing and becoming more of an adult, and even as we went from, my wife and I went from dating to engaged to married, she obviously the whole time challenging me to be a better person, be a better man, be a better Christian. And I think that I that whole time was working on things that were associated with my number. I just didn't know that it was my number at the time. And so looking at the world from more perspectives, um, being less judgmental of people in situations that are unlike mine, just recognizing that there's there's more going on in the world than my opinion. Has it had any impact on your relationship with God or your faith? So, for example, like playing into the knowledge of your core fear or, you know, your core longing. You know, it's like for a one, you know, your core longing, I believe, is is to be to be good. And your fear is that, you know, that you're to not be, you know corrupted or you know it's something like that so like has it had any impact in your walk with God or I feel like for for me personally like a fear for the nine the Enneagram nine is like the fear of loss like losing not like losing but loss as in losing people who are close to you and that is huge for me that's probably like my number one thing that I worry about so for me it's definitely helped me rely on faith which I haven't always done before but to kind of like wash my hands of that and like leave it up to God, the I, faith for me is is everything that's kind of helped me not dwell on the stuff that I can't control. 
it's helping us to see ourselves better and maybe see ourselves in a in a light that maybe God sees us. So like, you know, for me as a nine, a lot of one of the other, you know, fears is that or there's a feeling that like you don't matter, you know, as a nine. So like you're always kind of trying to keep the peace, but you're diminishing yourself in the process. And it's essentially, you know, for me, you know, from learning the Enneagram, I kind of get more of this idea that like I do matter, you know, to God and that like I am enough kind of thing. I think when you're focused so much on what's right and wrong and what's black and white, you oftentimes miss what's gray. And so I think it's just caused me to kind of go back and reassess different things that I don't know if it's I thought I knew about God or just assumed about God, but maybe want to dig more into who God really is. And so there have been a couple of other table communities that have been great for that. I'm in a couple. I'm in one with a, a few guys, and it's a theological discourse. And we just we're going through a book that asks what would appear to be relatively simple questions. You know, what is God? What is man? What is sin? And we just I mean, it's a deep dive into those topics. And I think I think if anything, that's what being a one has kind of caused me to do more in my faith life, not just take what I've always known or assumed I knew and, and really try to figure out what is truth. I do not consider myself to be an introvert. I consider myself to be extroverted. However, I have come to realize that I definitely have some introverted tendencies where I am a homebody. So the social distancing hasn't been as bad for me as it has it been for some other people like Christy. <laughs> I think Christy is going absolutely crazy where it's a little bit easier for me to just chill at home, you know, read a book or watch movies, hang out with my kids, like keep it, keep it low key is not a big deal for us. You know, sometimes I'm like, all right, guys, everybody calm down. Quit being afraid. We're going to get through this. You know, like, quit getting caught up in the details and your fear and anxiety. You know, like, buck up. Come on. And, you know, like, when I'm told to put on a mask, well, I don't want to put on a mask. Like, who are you to tell me to put on a mask? <laughs> you know, so, so there's some of that that happens in me. You know, I can I can see myself go to five. Eights usually go to five in stress. I can see that happen. I do what I want when I want. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, like, I don't mean to come off like that. Um, no, I, I would. I, I would find hope it that. Funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. In, in, I say that in jest, but I'm also kind of serious too. And uh, you know, hopefully that doesn't come across when somebody asks me to do something that I'm able to submit and um, you know take instructions. I mean, if you're going to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. As a one, I have obviously that sense of right and wrong. So there's a lot out there right now where I'm like, oh, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. But really what's ended up happening is as I've grown up, I've obviously matured in how like I respond to certain situations. But then my professional life has changed how I respond to certain situations. So when we moved to Minnesota and I became the communications director for the Ronald McDonald House, I obviously deal with families who have children who have compromised immune systems every day. And so a lot of times when I was talking to people about this early on, when it was about to, when kind of stuff was about to start happening, I had been tasked with my boss to kind of be our authority at the house on what was happening. So I was reading everything I could, listening to every press conference that people were having and talking to people at Mayo Clinic, higher ups, and 
it obviously just resulted in me having a very, I like to think it was a very calm caution for this. And so I tried to let people know that, you know, I'm not personally afraid. I'm not one of the people who's probably the most susceptible to this, but I know enough people who are. And so, so my reaction to this always has just been, I'm not wearing a mask for me. I'm wearing a mask for everybody around me. I'm not like avoiding stores for me. I'm avoiding it for the people who, you know, are sick or might not be able to go to the stores. So that's kind of always been my approach. So really as a one, when I've heard people talk about like, oh, well, we can't fear, like we need to get over this and go out and do stuff. I'm like, for me, that's never what it's been about. I'm not personally super afraid of this because according to all the statistics, I am not someone who's going to be greatly affected by it because now we're obviously into month two of a pretty significant quarantine stay-at-home order. Everyone's going to respond differently to this, and you can't force people to do things unless you make it against the law. And so really right now, like, it doesn't do me any good to be upset if I see someone in public who's not wearing a mask. I'm just doing what I think is right and what I think is best for, for the people around me. Really, it, it's um, about being intentional to gain self-knowledge and really do some work to understand yourself and then understand the people that are around you that you have a lot of interaction with better so that relationships improve, they develop, they mature, that you can bring restoration where that needs to happen, um, where it, and, it, and it can be, uh, you bring about health in relationships. But that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of intentionality. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hey at wearetheecho.church. Also, we want to invite you to join us on Sundays. We are streaming our services on Facebook and YouTube at 9 a.m. U.S. Central Time, as well as 8 p.m. U.S. Central Time. This episode was produced and mixed by Just Hit Publish Productions.